Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, welcome to another fabulous Friday. I want you to remember everybody deployed. This is the Information Edge podcast. I am your host, Darren Yancey, and uh, it's been another wild week. So, you know, I, I've been feeling like just pulling out the cleats and stomping on toes lately. Uh, we, we went through a little bit of that last week, and we're going to get into that some today about this canceling of student debt. You know, I, I've never really weighed in and done a show on my time on air. I've made comments here and there. I think, you know, it should be some common sense stuff, but um, I, 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 they're going to throw it out there again to try to get the youngsters back in thinking that, Oh, we're going to, we're going to get our debt relieved. And there's, there's just so many bad things about it, but let's do a little housekeeping first. Um, for those of you that do the social media thing, and I recognize not everybody that does, uh, you know, if you're listening to Voice America or if you're listening to us on one of the affiliates that you can catch us through, for example, we do iHeart, Spotify, Google, Apple, you know, wherever you get your podcast from, um, you may not necessarily do social media. Not everybody does. Some people are starting to back off on it. But if you do the social media thing and you want to follow me on social media, I'm currently on Twitter. We're going to talk about Elon here in a second. Uh, the DG Ancy 65 account got nuked in the past, but uh, I'm still there at InfoEdge65 on Twitter. Doing more now on Gab and Gitter because I'm, I'm still not comfortable with Twitter. We'll see what Elon does, you know, um, at DG Ancy 65 on those. And that's really, those are the platforms to follow me on on social media. Um, Getter, I think, is really coming on. I like Gab. There's some challenges with Gab and the amount that you can do in terms of follows and stuff, but that's, that's, uh, they don't they don't have any issues in terms of letting you speak your mind. Um, so let's talk about social media for just a second in terms of Twitter. Yeah, Elon buys right at a little over 9% of Twitter. He's on the board. Don't know if that was the best investment he was going to do, but, uh, you know, hey, it's his money. And, I, and I've seen all these, well, he could have done so much, so much social good. With that money, is when he goes out and buys parts of Twitter. Why would we do that? It's called America, jackass. Uh, you can do whatever you want with your money, uh, despite the people in D.C. or the state houses on the liberal side of the aisle that might look down their nose from you. It is still America. You still have the freedom to spend your money as you choose, unless, of course, it's an illegal item. And Twitter is not. So Elon's in there now, and we're going to see, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it uh, more of a friendly phrase for conservatives? Because right now it's not. I mean, they have been <laughs> suspending uh, conservative voices left and right. They do nothing to liberal voices. It's just the double standard, just horrific. And regardless of how you feel about Section 230 and whether or not these media giants should be regulated, some consistency in the application of your rules would be nice. Uh, Twitter's not had any, of course, Facebook's not had any. And, and yes, I, I do have a Facebook account. I don't do much on it. Uh, I, it's an old account that I added information edge on there. Just so some, well, you got a Facebook account. Well, yeah, I do. Uh, it's information edge with Darren Yancey. I don't promote it much because I don't do much with it. 
you know, I'm, and and that's kind of how I feel about Twitter. Now, right now, we'll see how Elon feels. I'm not on Truth Social yet, and I'll tell you the reason why I'm not. It's not that I don't want to be around with what uh, the big guy does uh, in terms of Mr. Trump, but it is currently only for an a phone application, and currently only an uh, an iPhone. I do a, I'm a so I'm, I'm I'm down on both accounts. I do a uh, Moto Z Droid. That's what I use for my phone, and then I also I really I don't like using my phone for social media. I, I'm just not a fan of it. So I'm down on both of those accounts and I'm sure that'll change in time. And we'll, we'll, you know, I think right now they're going through a lot of growing pains of trying to get things in server issues. So, you know, I'm going to let others have some fun with it when they get where it can be in a desktop application or, or a, you know, something like a pad application. That's something that I'll certainly look into until then I'm going to stick with what we've got for right now. Also visit the website informationedge.net. That is the, repository of knowledge uh you'll catch where we've got the people that help sponsor the show you'll see the topics that and where i do a lot of the research from all the government listings that is an information resource for you be sure to go there when you're going out um some other stuff that just reflections in the news and i I find it interesting you know judge uh judge brown is now you know she's going to be the next supreme court justice um, there was no way that was not going to be a liberal appointment. I had a lot of, huh? well, there's, there's a chance that they won't get appointed. No, there was never a chance they weren't going to get appointed. The question was going to be how many Senate votes, uh, defectors you would have from the Republican side. And of course you had the normal gang of three that always showed their liberal sides. And I, I wish they quit calling themselves Republicans, you know, that's Collins and Murkowski and Romney, uh, Murkowski. I don't think he's going to be around much longer. Um, she's got a legitimate challenger and I just don't think she's going to be there. I think same thing with Romney. I think when he comes around, I think he's just going to be polexed out, uh, state of Utah Collins. Nobody has stepped up to the plate to challenge him. You know, I, I, I don't know what to do, but this is not the first time Susan Collins has pulled a, you know, a squishy. Um, and look, if you go back and you look at the judge, judge Brown, obviously, was a qualified jurist. There's no question. You can't, you can't even remotely argue that she wasn't a qualified jurist. I think the issue boiled down to that. I think disturbed myself and most people out there is the stance on pedophilia. (laughs) I hate to use this word, uh, but she's soft on it. And, And that's a disturbing trend that we have all these people that are coming out trying to normalize pedophilia. I mean, good Lord, trying to groom kids, saying a, a child is is gay as, as an infant let a kid be a kid you know what if a child when it gets in his teenage 16 17 8 says i don't want to be the sex that i am let them make that decision and say well i like the sex that i am but i i think i like the same sex for romance let them make that decision on their own stop stop this grooming nonsense it's it's something that i i'd forgotten you know, I thought CRT was pretty explosive. You start touching the kids in the Second Amendment. But I, I think this grooming issue may be the one other stuff that, that could really rip the nation apart in terms of parents coming after people. I mean, I can tell you this. If I ever caught one of our teachers talking to one of our kids about their home sex life, uh, they would not have been employed in our school district. Uh, we'd have raised hell with the 
the school board. I mean, it, it, it would have been pitchforks and torches and that's how it should be. I'm not saying, look, if you want to have that lifestyle, that's your choice, but you need to keep it out of the school just as a heterosexual teacher doesn't need to be sharing their sexual lifestyle with children. It shouldn't happen in either case. It's just, it's just something that is, does not need to be discussed of your personal proclivities in the bedroom or wherever with children. And if you think that's fine, then you should not be teaching young children and you probably shouldn't be teaching period. So I think that was the main, but I mean, I had a lot of people that were appointed, but well, we'll just, we thought, no, 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 no. There were always going to appoint one. I think that, you know, you have to look at this for what it is. Um, obviously she's, she's a solid jurist. I mean, this is a woman who's, she's been there. She's, she's got a, a judicial mind. She's obviously going to be liberal. Okay. You know, that going in, there was a liberal vote. She was replacing. So it hasn't swayed the balance of the court. Now you might, you know, you might say, well, Breyer was losing some of his legal balls up in his hair. She probably brings some strong ones back in, but you know, I didn't like the fact that she she's got the pedophilia issue and to sit there and say, I, you know, I can't define a woman cause I'm not about that's weak. That was so weak. And then for this idiot Biden to come out today and, and pound the GOP. Well, oh, I think what she went through was verbal abuse. It was off. I'm like, Joe, were, were, were you smoking dope when Kavanaugh was reviewed? It was most, the only thing I could think of in, in, in modern history that was as bad or potentially worse than what Brett Kavanaugh went through. And, and by the way, I'm glad he got appointed, but we're finding out he may not have been the best candidate, but he still shouldn't have went through what he went. The only two other ones in history that were worse was Clarence Thomas. Oh yeah. His was awful. And Joe Biden was at the center of that. And another one a few years earlier that under Rob, uh, Ronald Reagan, Reagan, by the name of Robert Bork, it was horrible what they went through. Okay. So for him to come out and say, well, it was verbal abuse. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, verbal abuse is what the Democrats have done to Republican nominees for over 40 years. So shut the hell up, you whiny little bitch. Nobody wants to hear about it. You know, she stood the test. She held her ground. Look, she went through, but there was a couple, I mean, to come out, she could have said, you know, what, how would you like me to define a woman? Would you like me to define her as this or as this? She was, a, she's an intelligent person. So I, that's disappointing, but I, again, I, it's not realistically going to change the court in terms of how it's going to shape up or, 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 or how, what we're going to see in decisions. I mean, realistically, if, if you want to know where the squishy vote is, that's John Roberts, that's Mr. Squishy, that's Mr. Flip-Flop. Um, and obviously we've seen some occasions where, Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett don't vote as we thought they would. Does it mean that they may not vote the way we hope they do? But I will tell you right now, I, I would like to just, you know, lighten the load of the Supreme Court till the next presidential election, because I got to tell you something, it's, it's, it's a little tense right now. It's a little tense. So, you know, that's some things that have went on currently. Um, you know, it's funny also, I, how many of you realize that One America News has been removed from AT&T and DirecTV. That just happened. That's real. Um, you want to talk about dramatic censorship. 
this is something, uh, and I, we'd heard about it a few months earlier. I have AT&T direct TV for some services here. And I had called them over for, for something else, a billing issue. And I asked the person at that time, uh, Oh, I had had a discount expire. That's what it was. Bill went up 50 bucks. I want my 50 bucks back. Cause I'm cheap. And I asked him, I said, are you folks going to drop one American news? Oh no, sir. With the service that you have, you'll continue to keep one American news. Well, shoot fire a few days ago. Guess what? They had about five other channels. They wiped out as well, but that's the one that we watch probably more than Fox, um, Fox since the Murdoch's, uh, have have changed it's, it's not the same i think they're trying to get a little bit better but it's just not one american news though came out and they would tell things the way it is and i think that's what scared them and i think at&t caved so we're in the process of doing what we've done with disney and others that are bringing in get woke well guess what you're going to go broke I think right now you've seen hundreds of thousands of people drop Disney after they've come out with some of their wokeness in terms of their, their positions for supporting grooming and, and, and things to that nature. But I can also tell you this, um, with what AT&T's done by basically killing the paid subscription service available for One American News, I don't think One American News is going to go away. Um, they're out there and they've gotten a lot of positions on it, but I don't think, I think they were on the verge of becoming potentially the next Fox news. This knocks them back. So unless somebody comes in and fights to bring them into a major network again and get them on a subscriber service, I don't know how, I just don't know how relevant one American news is going to stay. I hope they do. We're certainly going to uh, subscribe to them, uh, help support them. I think you should too, because I think they're one of the few outlets out there i mean you get you do get some spin um but you don't get a lot of spin and you know it's conservative spin so you you know if a liberal wants to watch it they know what they're dealing with but one thing i'll say about this i've never caught them lying i've never caught them misrepresenting they may give their spin on something but they were pretty honest but i thought that was very interesting in itself so let's get back to uh stepping on snowflakes you know joe biden right now and his team, Peppermint Patty, Alfred E. Newman, which you know, you know who I'm talking about, Jen Psaki and Pete Buttigieg, and some of the others, the, the, the clown I can't even name for Homeland Security. The policies they have floated out, he's got to feel like a pinata. And I'm not talking about just a regular pinata. I'm talking about a pinata at a baseball birthday party of 12 year old little leaguers who could just knock the snot out of it. But this is one of those pinatas. It was made so well that it takes 13 kids just beating the snot out of it before it finally breaks. And that's what I think team Biden is right now. They're a pinata and they're just getting clobbered. And I'm not going to sit here and go, go through. I mean, I've, I've done shows on it. We, we blog on it. You, you know what the problems are. Okay. The challenge with Mr. Biden is he's so demented, so delusional. You know, he tries to blame the current gas gas issue on Russia. And I will tell you guys, and I, and I, and, I, and AOC, ah, the dim-witted one from New York tried to come out and, well, this is, this is collusion and this blah, 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 blah. No, it's called market forces. It's called supply and demand. 
um, inflation occurs when you put too much, you, when you increase the money supply beyond the boundaries of what market demand can handle in materials. That's why for the past two years, you, you keep putting all this money in, when, but you'd shut manufacturing down while people are fighting for goods and services. They still haven't got manufacturing back up to where it needs to be. And that's something that has got to change. And a lot of it is, is restriction still related to COVID that we know by now it's just, it's just false. Um, I've heard the term great reset they're trying to do. I don't buy it. There's no way you can do a great reset. The people at some point, the people will revolt and they'll, they'll massacre those that are trying to do it. This, this isn't the 14 or 1500s where, uh, you had fewer people and, and, and more, what's the word I'm looking at, um, lesser weaponry. You've got people now that are ex-military, um, paramilitary that basically, you know, they can take a hunting rifle and take somebody out of 800 yards. So, I mean, you know, if these people try that, it's just going to end the bloodbath. So I would hope they'd have the common sense not to, but we're seeing all these failed positive. They're trying, well, we're going to call, we're going to call in the, we're going to call in the oil company executives and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And if I'm an oil company executive, I'm going to say, you know what? I haven't done anything to change the price at the pump. I haven't hired on any more people. Didn't reduce anything. But here's what the commodities market did the day you came out and you said, you know, we're going to have sanctions. And they looked at the crude inventories of what we have. They looked at the, what we can refine in our capacity. And they looked at refining capacity and said, oh, we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a deficit. And they started raising the price. And that's exactly how it's worked. But there, that's just this is just the most recent in just disaster after disaster after disaster. And, and for those of you that. I, I, it just absolutely kills me that are saying, well, we need to go spend more money in Ukraine and you're not in the same breath going, why are we not spending money on our Southern borders? You, you, you're smoking acid or something. Um, all due respect to the Ukrainian people want you well, but sorry. Uh, no, the amount of money needs to flow in is needs to stop. The longer we prolong this, the longer, and, and we are, by, when I say we, the U.S. gives the Ukrainians hope, all it's going to do is sit in the melee. Russia has got what it wants. It's got the Donbass region, which was effectively, it's been it since 2015, when those areas elected to be Russian, and Russia simply said, we're not going to do that right now. People forget the history here. They took over Chernobyl, knocked down the dam, so they could have water back in Crimea for, for farming. And Crimea was, has been Russian since 2014. Russia walked in, not a fire shot. And they said, yay. And they took a vote. They said, will you please take us back? And people forget, well, well, why would they do that? Well, they're doing that because the Ukrainian government is a bunch of crooks. It was, a, it was run by crooks before Zelensky, and Zelensky himself is a crook. All this money we're sending, it's ridiculous. It's laundering, ladies and gentlemen. How much longer are we going to tolerate our tax dollars being laundered in the name of foreign aid, because that's all it is. People need to be arrested, uh, investigated, which is very easy to do, arrested and prosecuted. And in, in, in certain cases, I think we're talking treason to the level of, uh, of lethal injection. I really do. It's not helping our country. And we've got to get this stuff to stop. So how does all this get to my, my topic of the day? Well, because all these policies have just been utterly abysmally 
just bad. I mean, show me a, a Biden policy that has benefited the United States since he's been in office. I'm not saying there may not be one out there. I, I can't find it. So they've just been beat up. So they know right now they're looking at the polling numbers. They're looking at inflation. Um, and they're, they, you're, you're even hearing themselves going, yeah, we're probably going to get our, our, our fannies shellacked in November. So what are they doing? Well, wait a second. Hold on a second. Maybe, maybe we appeal to that new generation of younger Democrat that we got in our Bernie brought in and maybe we can get them to the polls. Well, how do you get them to the polls? Well, let's talk about free education again. Let's talk about paying off that student debt. Even though it was campaign promises made a couple of years ago that they haven't made good on. Thank goodness. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about there. Let's start floating that subject at this. So what he's doing is they're now starting to recycle. Okay. Another one they recycled the week, 10 days ago was trying to get rid of gun manufacturer, uh, liability waivers, which I'm going to do a different episode on that one, because that's another idiotic plan. Well, let's focus on this big old hook and this big old piece of bait that they're just casting out. To the youth or the younger, I can't, I know I, I, depends on what you call youth. I'm going to call under 35 Democrats that have, they want to get out from under their financial debt. And I, and I, you know, here's the thing guys. Um, and, and I'm going to give you some perspective from a guy that paid for two sets of educational expenses for me and my wife. And I paid for educational expenses for my kids. Okay. Um, nobody owes you a damn thing. Not a penny. If you went out and you decided you wanted to go to a school that had a name you wanted besides your designation that charged forty to seventy thousand a semester, and you decided to sign on a bottom line for that, and now you're whining because you can't pay it back or you haven't got the job, whatever. I'm sorry, that's not that's not my fault. That's not the American taxpayer's fault. If you went in and um, Trump wasn't your president and you went in because you're gender fluid and you wanted, um, I don't know, you wanted the mating habits of, of, of nocturnal tree sloths picking their toenails at 2 a.m. And you made that your degree plan and you didn't check to see what the marketability of that degree plan was. And you went and took out loans Maybe you went spent $20,000 or you spent 50,000 or whatever you spent because that was the degree plan you wanted. And now you've gotten into the real world. And by the way, the real world operates on real terms and they're not always fair. And you went, Oh, I can't get a job outside of certain service industries. I can't pay this debt back and blood. Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like to the rest of us. I paid my way through my college. I had a little bit of help from my dad. Um, he helped my first semester, helped with some books and tuition. After that, I was working. I was making my own money. I paid for it all. When I got married to my wife, my wife was going to court reporting school uh, in the late 80s and early 90s. And that was some very expensive stuff. I mean, very expensive. In 1991, 
I think we had racked up, good Lord, to pay for her education, close to $30,000. It was a lot of money. So I'd paid mine. And over the next couple of years, she was doing her stuff. And here's the thing that killed me about my wife. Okay. You have to get this machine, which costs a lot of money and you're learning another language and you got to get to a certain speed so that you can test for a license or a state certification, which then allows you to go into the market and make money. And we had shopped the market. We knew that court reporting was in high demand. We knew what she did had some alternative industries that she could get into medical transcriptions and other such, and that it was an investment in an education that monetarily would pay off in two, perhaps three years. Okay. We knew that we said, okay, we're going to sink this money in education. So she gets into it and, and somewhere along the line, we decided to have kids. And in her last year where she's pregnant with our first child. And during that pregnancy, things start to change. Now she didn't her speed. She's doing all her stuff, but the perspectives were changing. And about the time she was getting ready to test for her state board certifications, we had our first child and it was wonderful. By the way, it was wonderful. I, I was happy we did it, but it changed what she wanted to do. And the reality was when the child came and stuff came along, it, it impacted her ability to be behind the machine, to go to school, to keep that speed up and thus ultimately test to get that certification. And that it was bad timing. It was bad timing. But in, in essence, we didn't pursue it. I say we, my wife didn't pursue it and things changed. Now that education she got was a very high end education. It was focused on legal and my wife's pretty sharp gal. And when we went into insurance, she came into insurance with me, got herself licensed, and, and a lot of that stuff that she had taken applied. So while she didn't go to a four-year university per se, the institute she went to was very high dollar, very expensive, and we had to pay that money back. You know, the fact that life uh, said, you're going to start a family, and mama, when you have the baby, your perspective's going to change, and your wants are going to change, and what you define as success is going to change, those weren't baked into the original plan, but it didn't matter because the reality was we had to deal with it. My kids, as they've come through and college has not been, it's, I got four kids. My first two, uh, both had scholarships. Uh, my oldest uh, was a musical prodigy, went into a school. They covered a lot of it with it, but I still had to pay some more. Went into the first two years, did his stuff. And he came out and said, dad, this isn't for me. Uh, they're wearing me out. They're killing my love for music. And I, I want to try something else. Now, fortunately, we had paid for his stuff. I didn't want him having that burden. And it was actually a high dollar school. If it had been for the, the scholarship, it wouldn't have happened. But we paid for it. My next son came up, has a scholarship, went to the state school, didn't have as much, got into it. First couple of years, there was, and we're going to talk about college here coming after the break, because we're coming up on a break. And he got into the, that two-year mark. He said, Dad, this, there's a lot of things changing here. This isn't for me. He lost a scholarship in his second year by one, you know, just a smidgen of, uh, of a grade point average. So we had to pay more of that second year. But we paid it. Uncle Sam didn't come write a, write a check for me and go, well, here, Darren, here's, here's all your expenses. 
So I want you to understand for the balance of the show, we're coming upon a hard break here that the things that I'm going to talk about, I've had to pay my fair share of educational expenses. I get, I get it. And I'm sorry, you're not going to get my tax dollars uh, without a big, big, big bloody fight. All right, folks, we are coming up on the bottom of the hour and it's time to take a quick break, pay a few bills, drink a little tea. This is the Information Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Yancey, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5789. That's 1-866-472-5789. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I am your host, Darren Yancey, and we're getting into, um, should we be forgiving student loans or should we just say, sorry, snowflake, nobody owes you a thing? And I know there's a lot of people out there that actually both political spectrums would like, Hey, I'd I'd like, I'd like to have my loans repaid. Well, we're going to get into some specific reasons why this topic needs to be flushed down the toilet permanently. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not solutions or partial solutions for some of the issues, but just out and out forgiveness is, is ridiculous. Now let's start and go back in time. Where did this start coming in? Um, when Bernie Sanders was wanting to run for president, uh, running on his socialist theme, he's the one that came out and said, Hey, if you put me in office, I'll forgive your student debt. And that's where all these young people did. Whoa, dude, 
dude, you're going to do that? That's chilling. And they started supporting Bernie. And then, of course, uh, Lizzie Liawatha Warren, better known as Senator Elizabeth Warren. I call her Liawatha because she does that a lot. She lies a lot. She got on that bandwagon. You know, well, if you follow, if you follow me, I'm going to forgive your college debt. Well, bottom line, folks, let me, let me explain something to you about campaign promises. Campaign promises rely on the ability for that campaigner to get other members of their party or other non-party members to come to agreement, to put a plan together, to execute a motion. And I will tell you right now, most campaign promises, with the exception of the ones that were made by Donald J. Trump, are garbage. If someone comes to you and says, well, I, pl I promise this and I promise that, don't vote for them. I don't care what party they are. Now, if they come to you and they say, I've got a plan, and this is what I want to do, and this is how it's going to, I'm going to have to do this to get there, you need to listen to that person. But that was Bernie's promise. I'll relieve your college debt. Now, they've had different degree of how they want to do it, but they're, they're bad ideas, folks. They're bad ideas. And we're going to talk about some things. Because realistically, you, you have to look at this from a common sense standpoint, and you have to look at it from a, a, a standpoint of economic turmoil that it creates. And there's a lot of problems. First off, let's also let's start with the fact that when you sign a loan document, car loan, home loan, business loan, whatever it is you're going to do, that's a contract. That is an agreement between you and whatever entity that you are contracting with that you're going to, they're going to give you the funds and you're going to pay it back over X number of years. And that's an agreement. Contract law is the basis of modern day civilization. It's how you go out and get things that you can't pay cash for. It's how you buy a car. It's how you buy a home. Maybe it's how you paid for your furniture. And for a lot of people that goes to school, that's how they pay for their student loans. They do a loan. So if you erase contract law, it has ripple effects in a lot of different industries. Because if you're going to forgive for one, you got to forgive for others. So let's get into some, let's crunch some numbers here. First off, it's if we if let's say there was a way to do it, there's a problem in that how it's poorly targeted. Now, if you go to the blog, informationedge.net, I've got up there today. Sorry, Snowflake, nobody owes you a thing. And I'm reading from the blog that I put out here. Who benefits from loan forgiveness? Well, the problem that a lot of people forget about is that you've got an, an you've got a benefit where wealthy student loan borrows borrower, excuse me. They probably don't need to get their student loans forgiven. They've got the ability to pay it back. Here's another thing. Now, I think right now it's you got 45 million borrowers in the United States that collectively owe about 1.7 trillion. That's a lot. Stop taking out the loans, damn it. 45. But when you look at it, you see, oh, that's, oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. No, 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 no. Well, 45% is roughly 20% of a 250 million adult population out of roughly 330, 340 million people here in the United States. 
So it's still a minority of people that are doing this. And that gets to poor targeting. Ladies and gentlemen, college isn't for everybody. According to that statistic I just read you, two out of 10 are going to go to college. I've heard, you, you see reports, three out of 10. The bottom line is a majority of people do not go to college. They may go into manufacturing. They may go into trade schools. They may create their own business, but they don't go to college. It's not for everyone. So there's, that's a problem. 40% of the outstanding student loan debts, 40%, okay? Medical school, dental school, which are big ones, okay? They, they have to spend longer time in there. They got to get a lot of equipment when they come out. That's why they got to make money when they come out. Uh, business schools, not as much. And law schools, yeah, you're going to spend some money if you go to law school. So I would say medical, law, and dental are probably your three. I don't know many people that are actually going a huge amount to business schools. I mean, I went to the school of business within my college, but how many people are actually going to the Wharton school of business right now? I, I don't know. But my point is this 40%, in other words, probably $800 billion of that is for people in very specific sectors of the economy that don't correlate to everybody else. Here's the other thing. A lot of those folks are going to come out and be high. They're going to be high income earners. Now let's say some of them wash out. They don't finish through. They've taken out loans. Well, sorry. Maybe you go back to your university and find a way to do loan forgiveness. Um, Mr. Schmucky, Chucky Schumer and Lyle Wath have said that they want to put together a program. This is 2021, by the way, that they want to put together a loan program for forgiveness for those who earn less than 125,000. That'd be your threshold. Problem is, is a lot of folks say, eh, it's, that's too high of a threshold. And they think that if there's any loan cancellation, it should be limited to bars with lower income, which I, I, I'm not for any canceling. And as you'll see when we get later in the show, there's ways to potentially restructure. But the bottom line is, folks, you sign for it. You got to pay for it, okay? And again, this gets to item number two. Canceling student loans forgets everyone who didn't attend college. That $45 million, 20, 20%, there's a lot of folks that don't go. Is it fair for people out there, uh, whether you are – well, let's say you are John and uh, Jane uh, college person that went on and you're successful and you're paying yours back or you're Joe and, and Jane six pack and you're working the trades you're going through and you're working hard for your money. Is it fair that you pay taxes, additional taxes to help promote 20% of the population? I mean, think about that. Just think about it logically. It's, 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 it's a bad idea. Why would you want to put that on people? You talk about a special interest payment. That's exactly what we're talking about, but let's, let's dig deeper into this. Okay. Now you've heard people say, well, part of the problem with all the student debt is they're paying banks for loans. And instead they're not out buying consumer goods such as homes or newer cars. In other words, 
well, that quarter million they're paying on that loan, they could be paying on a house and a car and living the American dream. But they can't do both. Well, I don't know that they can't do both. If you spend a quarter million dollars on your education, I mean, I guess the question is going to be, we got to get back to these questions. You know, if you decided to spend 50,000, 70,000 a semester, that should be getting you a college and a degree plan, which in theory, you should be able to pay back in three years. It takes a little longer because you got to pay for stuff. So did you not get career counseling? Um, did you check to see if there was a market? And did you see if it would support the payments to pay the debt back? These are common sense things. Now, look, if you went to junior college or state college and you spent, you maybe got 10 grand in debt, maybe you didn't think it through. But if you're spending 50 to $70,000 a semester in loans, did you not think this through? Because if you didn't, maybe you shouldn't be in the workplace to begin with. Maybe your in intelligence quotient is below par. I'm telling you, there's a problem there, and we've got to get into that because the reality of the situation is it's a, it's a misnomer that if you're not paying for debt, that it's automatically going to stimulate the economy, okay? Student loan cancellations don't necessarily stimulate the economy. Um, Lyle Watha says, well, if we cancel up to 50,000 of student loans per borrower, it would cost taxpayers $600 billion. Jiminy Christmas. But that doesn't mean 600 billion goes back into the economy. And, and here's the problem. Okay. Someone said, well, I want to help, but we got to make it work. We got to, it's got to work for the economy. Dead gummit. Well, again, they're not going to, they're not going to buy a home. They're not going to necessarily support their local business. There's been the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, and they've done reports, and they say canceling all student loan debt would produce $90 billion in available cash. And that was in 2021, by the way. $450 billion over the next five years. Maybe, maybe not. Why? Well, that one-time student cancellation, they, they, they saved the cash, but they're not getting a cash settlement. There's the difference. So they're not stimulating the economy. That's a fallacy that's thrown out there. Well, if we, if we do this, well, it's going to stimulate the economy in other areas. That's, there's, no, there's no hard data on that that proves that. This is all theories and postulates that are based on prior generations and how they have spent when they've not had correlated debt. We're in a different generation that likes to do uh, Google Apps and they want to do Apple Play and they want to do a lot of stuff at home and they don't necessarily have the same work ethic. So you can't assume that they're going to want to go out and take on the debt of a newer car because that requires you to, have to work. Or they're not going to want to go and take out the debt of a mortgage because, again, you have to work. So canceling student loans doesn't stimulate the economy. Here's the other, another problem. Canceling student loans doesn't solve the elephant in the room, which is the rising cost of secondary education. And this is not just, a, by the way, this is not just a relegated to 
uh, universities and colleges, if you want to go to trade school, if you want to become an air, air, you know, uh, a mechanic to work on jets, or you want to become an electrician, it, it costs money to go to these schools. Now I will say this, this is one of the things I love about the unions. If you want to get into a unionized trade and you want to go to one of their trade schools, they will pay you and educate you at the same time. It's a deal I'm telling you it's a deal. You want to become an electrician or a plumber? They've got some good programs out there. They have got some good programs out there. So that's something to think about. You know, go if you want to go down that road, uh, the trades. And, and I'm a guy that if you like unions, great. And if you don't, fine. But I will tell you something. The union trades, they, they've got some very good stuff to help their people go through. So when you stop and look at and, and you go, well, the problem we have right now, if we if we don't start getting some of these tuitions down, eventually they're going to put secondary education out of reach. And this is something that's been going on and going on. And a part of it is there's a number of problems. Um, number one, the issues of tenure within the academic community where they don't fire anybody because of long they've been around the salaries and benefits. If, if you look at academia, it is a miniature version of the U.S. government. It's bloated. Uh, it needs to be overhauled. And that's one of the reasons they keep charging more and more. And like idiots, we keep paying it. Now, the great thing is there's ways to help cut college education costs. Number one is junior college. Unless you've got your kid coming out of high school and they want to go to college in their college material, in other words, they do the tests well and all that good stuff, you know, the reality of the situation is you need to look at junior college. It's half or less than your state university. And I'm talking a state university, not some snooty falooty university, uh, but it's half of that. And they can go there for the first two years, save a lot of money, stay at home. You, have, you don't have to put them in a dorm. And then when they get, they can get their, their basics out of the way. When they get into electives, they can go to that state university. You can probably afford a little more on that. And guess what? You don't have that cost. And I will tell you, um, when I was growing up, to a degree, depending on what you did, where you went to school did matter. Uh, me, I went to school to be an institutional trader. And I went to a very good business school here in Texas. But it was not Harvard, it was not Brown, it was not Penn, but it didn't matter because I knew how to have an interview. Today, it's a different environment. They're looking for people that want to work, that have, I mean, they're actually looking at folks. Where you go to school is not necessarily an indicator anymore. So to go spend fifty to $70,000 a semester, you just got to relook at that. You just have to re-examine it. Those institutions just need to be knocked back on their knees because people can't afford to do it. And they're not garnering. You stop and look at the number of people that have all these high student student loans. Okay. The university allowed them to take some type of degree program that was not mar marketable or these folks that have jobs or they've just got the social skills of a sloth. I mean, we just don't know, but usually, you know, degree plan has, has something you're going to spend that kind of money. You need to come out with something that they go, Oh yes, we need that engineering. We need that biosciences. Uh, we need that, you know, things to the nature that people actually have to work at. 
if you're just getting a, a, a degree in the marketing of flea bags, I hope you know what the flea bag market's like. And this is research. And, and yeah, mom and dad should help on that. And yes, the counselors, there's, there's people that should be teaming, but I got to tell you something it, it's, it's there. Now we've, we talked a little bit about, you know, well, if you, if you pay it, it's, it's, un, it has a bad distribution of who gets equal, but I mean, you break, really break it down. Canceling student loans. It's, it's unfair to part the borrowers that have paid off their debt. Okay. I pay a lot of money in mine, my wives and my kids. I'm not asking to get it back, but I can damn t- tell you this. You start giving out other people. Yeah. I'm going to want some, I'm going to want some payback compensation for mine. And I hate to even say that, that, that brings a bile in my throat. That's not a good thing for our nation. But the, the biggest problem, the biggest problem, and there, we've, we've mentioned several, it promotes fiscal irresponsibility. Okay. It just, it's irresponsible. Oh, I just realized I put responsible. I got to correct the blog. Okay. It's irresponsible. You're teaching people that when they agree to a contract, that that contract doesn't mean anymore. And I go back to what I said earlier. We are a nation of laws and contract law is the, is the, the stuff that allows you to go out and buy things without the ability to pay cash. If all, if we forgave student loans, what's next? I mean, seriously, what's next folks. When we had the financial crisis of 2008, 2009, which really went back to 2005, those people didn't get to walk away from their loans, okay? And there were crime, actual crimes committed in that process. Uh, we watched it from the insurance side. where We had people coming in wanting homeowner's insurance that didn't look like they had the ability to finance Popsicle, much less a house. But it was amazing. You had a builder that built a house. You had a title company that would put together the title work in a mortgage company and they were all three owned by the same organization. Then they were selling it off to the secondary markets. Yeah, that happened. That's why the, that's why after that meltdown laws changed, things changed, but people at the end of the day still wanted a house. They went in, they, they signed on the dotted line. They did not get out of those mortgages, ladies and gentlemen, unless they walked away from them and had a foreclosure on their credit. Now there were some things that could do to reduce it. They, they would go in and revalue the home. If the market, if you had paid 800 and it should have been 400, yes, there was some repricing and there were some revaluations done. There were things that were done to help people, but they didn't let them get off the hook. Remember that. So why should all these people with debt? Are you willing to uh, give up your degree, forfeit your degree? Say you never had it, lose it, boom, it's gone. Well, I worked hard for that. Well, okay. Then buy, then you need to pay for it. Now, I'm not heartless. I think there should be some reforms. Number one, this, this complete, uh, the, the whole thing being financed, is just that's got to stop. I mean, Lord, if you go and buy a car or buy a mortgage, there are ratios they look at at income. They should look at if you're going to take out a college loan, to go into a certain program, there should be some models out there that say, okay, when you come out, this is the, the industry that you're going to go into. These are the current salary ranges. This is the predictability of what it'll be in three to five years when you get out. 
Here's what you, we expect for you to make, and here's what you're going to be able to pay back. There should be modeling for that, okay, so that people can enter into, they go, well, what you're wanting to charge me in tuition, I, I can't pay this back till I'm 50. I may have to put some things off. It, it, it could make them have some pause. The other thing is the usury rates. Just about every form of loan financing is regulated in the amount that you could charge. Well, do the same in loans, but really knock it down. We really, really want people to educate tied to the federal funds rate. Okay. If, if the Fed rate is 1% and, and the bank's buying it at 2%, then they get 2% over their, their federal funds buy rate. Now, they're not, making, they're not just killing it, but they're making some money. If we truly want to get a better education, take a little bit less on the front side and do the things. These are a restructuring. This could be done, okay? But the biggest issue that I think somebody needs to have, if you truly feel that your parents gave you no help, that you were basically a vegematic when you were sitting down and doing your college preparation because that was your maturity level at the time, and that you feel that the institution of higher learning took advantage of that, gave you a starry-eyed future in a degree plan on picking the toenails of the Australian warthog, and you signed on for that, and you really feel you were taken advantage of, get a lawyer and sue the university. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, ladies and gentlemen, these universities are sitting on <clears throat> sizable endowments. Sizable endowments. Sue the financing institution that you feel has lopped your head off. And yes, there are some out there that have lopped your head off. Get a lawyer and sue. I'll be interesting to see if that ever happens. Because in my opinion, I think if that should happen, I think you, that's in my opinion, that's the way it needs to run. Go back to the universities, go back to the banks and say, look, you guys took advantage of us. I, I, I was but a wee lass or a wee lad. I really didn't have my mental faculties at the time. I'm older now. Really, You guys raped us over the coals. Um, now I'm sitting here with this loan. I need some, I need some help on it. That's what happened in the mortgage crisis. Those people didn't get to walk away, but they did get some relief. Do the same thing with student loans. If, if you truly believe that you got taken advantage of. If you didn't, then you just need to pony up and pay. Or you take the default and you take it against your credit. And you pay that price. That means, you know, you're, you know, you, you, you're going to live on tote the note lots for a while. Uh, you're going to pay, you're going to live in the rental places for a while and you're going to pay massive deposits. But if you truly feel you can't pay that big student loan back, that may be your better option. It's just something to think about. But I tell you this, I'm not paying your bill. Neither is the American public. And if you fall for another lie, then I'm not going to call Mr. Biden, Joe fool. I'm going to call you the fool. All right, folks, we're about out of time for today. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. You've been listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey, your host. I try to be 
educational, informative, and a little entertaining where I can be. I'll be back next week. We'll have another topic. And until then, I want you to remember a couple of things. Number one, God loves you. You live in the greatest nation of under the stars, regardless of our political process. And no matter what you want to do, it's out there. If you will simply be willing to put together a commitment and go to work, have a great week. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share then.